Hello, lovely single mums, and thank you for joining this podcast where we'll be discussing teenage boys and how to guide them to grow into healthy, happy men. My name is Lucy Good, and I'm the founder of Beanstalk Single Mums. We're an online space dedicated to supporting and inspiring single mums from all walks of life. We offer a blog which covers everything for your single mother journey. We have a single mum only anonymous forum, ebooks, and e courses, as well as exclusive single mum discounts and giveaways. And it can all be found on our website, Beanstalk Mums com.au but right now for this podcast i have both the pleasure and the honor of chatting to maggie dent um, and before i let her come in and chat for those of you who are not familiar with this wonderful lady although i know that most of my audience already is Maggie is commonly known as the Queen of Common Sense and one of Australia's favourite parenting authors and educators and she has a particular interest in the early years, adolescence and resilience. She's got varied experiences in life and these include teaching, counselling and working in palliative care, funeral services and suicide prevention. Maggie's also the host of the ABC podcast Parental as Anything and author of seven major books including the best-selling Mothering Our Boys and her brand new release which we'll be chatting about today called From Boys to Men Guiding Teen Boys to Grow into Healthy Happy Men. Maggie is a mum of four sons and a very grateful grandmother. She lives on the New South Wales South Coast with her good bloke, Steve Mountain, and their dog, Mr. Hugo Walter Dent. <laughs> when she isn't working, she can be found in her garden or in a sunny spot enjoying a good crime novel. So woman after my own heart. Maggie, welcome to the Beanstalk podcast. Oh, hi, Lucy, and hi to all the mamas who are watching uh listening to this live or later on i am so thrilled yeah, to be I'm able so, to yeah i'm so excited to have you on i've wanted to talk to you for a while but um i have to say four sons maggie um my ex-mother-in-law <laughs> she had three sons all a year apart from each other and she used to say to me lucy you just can't imagine what it was like <laughs> <laughs> how close are your four sons in age and how did you do it so gracefully? Oh, look, um, I have sort of eight, eight years from go to woe. And um, I did remember when I was expecting my third people saying, gosh, I bet you're hoping it's a girl. And um, when he arrived a boy, you know, I had people coming up telling me that they'd been praying for me. Um, because how awful it was going to be. And when I had my fourth one, I almost had people, um, you know, send me bereavement cards. So I actually secretly am a, a Tom girl, like I'm part bloke. So I really, really hoped for a fourth son because I really don't understand myself as a female very much. So that's kind of one of the things that I helped to decode, I think, is that I kind of think a bit like a boy rather than a girl because of I grew up on a farm very close to my dad and my younger brother. So it's a weird world, isn't it? That um, sometimes you can understand a different gender without being it. Yeah, that's right. And also, I mean, can you imagine throwing a girl into the mix of three boys? Um, it would make life a lot harder. I've got two girls and I always say, I feel so lucky that I've got the same sex with my kids because they both like netball. They both like the same things. I'm not rushing to different activities. Um, so having all the same sex children. It's in some ways a little bit easier. Um, if you'd had that 
fourth one had been a girl, it would have thrown a right spanner into the works for you. Uh, we, we really had to put the disclaimer in though, of course, that um, what, when I'm talking about boys, we're talking about statistically significant numbers, which is around 70%. Um, and also the same thing that some of our girls like me are very boy-like, but we still don't have a penis or surges of testosterone. So every now and then, like I say, just take what works or makes sense for you. Yeah. Um, because we know gender is definitely a lot more fluid uh, than we thought. Absolutely. So even anyone listening to this podcast who has girls, I'm sure they'll get a lot from it. But um, look, I've got a copy of your book right here in my clutches from Boys to Men. Um, and it comes complete with picture of a moody teenage boy on the front. <laughs> um, and I've got some questions for you and they touch on the key points in your book. And so I'm hoping that we can help our single mum audience with their sons um, by going through these Questions and answers. Are you ready to go, Maggie? Let's go. Let's go. So my first question is, can you talk us through what's actually happening in the mind and body of boys as they enter and navigate the teen years and why it's such a confusing minefield for them? Oh, that's such a good starting question. I, <laughs> I got emails um, and messages so often from mummies particularly saying, oh my gosh, Maggie, someone's stolen my beautiful boy and replaced yes. him with an alien. <laughs> it's the now, same and, with and girls, yep. <laughs> so in this window, um, really we're talking from tweens right through to the um, mid to late 20s because adolescence is a really big bridge. So what we do know now is that, um, you know, quite often it's the... Hormones get going early. So sometimes our 10 year old boys will get a bit of sass and a bit of lip and a bit of attitude. And you'll think, whoa, whoa, what's going Well, it's his, you know, the hormones are starting to surge and he's kind of got that. It just, mm. he doesn't say, gosh, let me be awful to my mum. And then the next tricky window, and this is a little bit later, a little bit later than girls, is the brain pruning. And the brain, so basically mother nature says, got to prune this brain. It's got to stop being a child brain. It's got to start being a grown up brain one day. But in its pruning, it accidentally prunes a bit too much off. So this is where the forgetfulness comes in. And any um, mum around there who's got a 12 to 14, 15-year-old boy will know that there are times you get up in the morning and the milk is still sitting on the counter where um, the son left it the night before. But there's an empty one in the fridge. Yeah. Um, he may also come home and go, I can't find my book, book, uh, to find he left it on the bus. Yeah. Um, that he has no idea what day of the week it is. Um, and that there are times that um, he just simply will struggle to put his towel in the laundry basket that he found he could have done before the brain pruning. So when we get to understand this is happening at the same, same kind of time that the body's trying to grow, you know, all those arms and legs and things are happening. So growth spurts impacts our boys' behaviour and they haven't even got a clue what's happening. So they can eat you, honest to goodness, the amount of food they can eat prior to a growth spurt is we, we just can't believe. And sometimes we get a bit annoyed as mummies because we think we have the budget all sorted, but he can eat a full loaf of bread after a full roast dinner with six potatoes because his body needs a lot of energy to grow and it also can't think very well when it's trying to grow it can't be very kind it can't be very patient so can you see all those things collide together every now and then and you've got this boy who is just grumpy starving and unable to speak to you or being civil to you and we really have to take into consideration 
he didn't want this to happen either, that he is confused, quite often frightened, and he needs a little bit of guidance as to what the heck happened. Yeah, and I think that understanding what's actually happening in the brain and to understand that they are going through all these massive changes inside that are not their choice can really help you to have empathy when dealing with them. It's really important to, I mean, I read the book called The Teenage Brain. I don't know if you know it, Maggie, but it really helped me to understand what our kids are going through as teenagers. Once you know that, like, for example, um, they you know teenagers they don't they don't go to sleep early they go to sleep later because what, what's the hormone is it dopamine not dopamine in their body melatonin. they haven't got enough melatonin, melatonin. yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't kick in till later with t- teenagers and then obviously in the morning they don't want to get up early um, because it's still there in their in their body and we get so fed up because our teenagers don't want to get out of bed but it's actually something that's going on in their brain and i think once you can understand that you can help them more I think another one too about understanding in the brain, Lucy, is that um, our prefrontal cortex, which is our executive adult brain, um, for that to be fully developed, it needs a lot of what we call myelin. And so the myelination of the adolescent brain, it gradually grows more of it. It's a fatty white substance and it improves your capacity to think deeply, to reflect on things, to motivate yourself, to plan for the future. Um, to be considerate and empathetic of your mum. And it's not there very much in these early windows. So guess what? Every now and then when they do uh, make a really poor choice, and sometimes at school, you know, I was a high school teacher. I I saw it all the time. They would make the same poor choice like day in, day out, and you think, what are they thinking? Well, they're not thinking. So when we get to be really harsh with them, when they're struggling to make good choices, we alienate them and push them away. Yeah. And that's really what I found. Um, and that's a big reason why I wrote the book that if we're allowed to come beside them and every now and then when they make those poor choices, let them know we still can love them, even though it's really difficult in the moment. And also to walk through ways that they could make a better choice in the same situation again. Look, how could they pause? You know, and I think that's the key to it. When you reframe, that they are, there's a really frightened four-year-old inside your six-foot son. Mm. And if you can keep thinking of him as he's going through this big journey uh, to manhood, that the prefrontal won't finish till late, like 25 to 27 for boys. Yikes, did I just say that out loud? (laughs) (laughs) I know, you've just terrified a few people there. They've got their heads in their hands thinking, how am I going to make it? (laughs) Uh, Look, it's a gradual thing. And I have to say that, you know, you'll start to, you know, I found, um, because I was a solo mum for kind of um, 12 to 18 months, and I found my boys actually stepped up. In actual fact, um, you know, there was a part of them that realised that I needed some more support and help. It didn't always happen with all Mm. of them in the house. But every now and then I'd find oh gosh, you know, they've thought about that because there's not another adult in yes. the house. Yeah. So I, I'm going to say there is some good news in amongst that. And if you've been a solo mum for a while, you know, this is where we have conversations with our boys around 10 to 12 that says, look, you're on the journey to manhood. And my job is to help you leave home one day capable. So there are times I'm going to want you to learn to cook and learn to manage, you know, the vacuum cleaner. I want you to learn how to, you know, change your own sheets because there's another reason why I want you to do that soon. 
Um, can you see what I mean? We're actually giving them the idea that I want to give you the skills hmm. so that you can become competent. I'm not trying to use you as slave labor. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there's a way of re reframing and, and um, talking to them. And that leads me nicely onto my question because com um, communication is key when it comes to raising our, our teenagers, boys and girls. Um, but that's easier said than done um, if anyone has tried to communicate with a teenager lately. Um, can you tell us some of your top tips for chatting to teenage boys and keeping the peace and diffusing the conflict at the same time, if that's possible. All right, so there's a little difference in the way that us females and males tend to communicate. So quite often us lovely mamas, we get a thought and we wanna talk about it. Um, and mm -hmm. if we see something, we wanna deal with it right now. Well, we've got really clear evidence now from neuroscience that um, this isn't the way that they take in information. Um, and I found that in my classrooms and my counseling rooms and my own home, that there were times that um, if I chose the timing, I needed to have a conversation with my son. So, I you know, there's a really big long list in the book, but some of them aren't, you know, when they've just got out of bed, not a good time. Just yep. got home from school, not a good time. Uh, buttering eight pieces of toast, not a good time. Looking at their <laughs> phone, not a good time. Uh, wrestling with their brother on the floor, not a good time. So you've actually got to seek out a time. And one of the things we do know is that movement, physical movement, like going for a walk or, you know, going to shoot some hoops or do something with them, often seems to loosen that mouth a bit. Second one, always keep your terms of endearment that you used to call your son when he was littler. So in our house, it was, um, it was babe, and I still start my texts quite often with my grown men who are now 31 to 39 with, hey, babe, did you watch that on TV? It's just the, the name of endearment that is in my house. So bud, mate, whatever. But when you use their name or you don't use it, that's an, an alarm bell for a boy that, man, this is going to be one of those, those talks. Yes. Um, the, the thing that does our head in the most is what they forget. And I've already talked to you that boys' memories are not as efficient, but they actually get a little bit worse, is how can I remind gently and how can I come beside my son and go, look, um, I've just heard this lady and it's in the book um, that your memory gets a bit dodgy. So we need you to kind of remember things for school and for what you need to take for sport or your music. So how about we work together and work out a bit of a system? You know, should we put something on the fridge that lets you know what day is your chore day? You know, like when you come along and work with them rather than do to them, then you are actually starting to raise a future adult instead of keeping them a child by telling them how to do things. And then the last tricky one, just for us women, eye contact is something we love. We love eye contact, full face to face. Uh, that is actually a threat to most boys. So again, it's side by side, 45 degrees. If you've got a, a, a conversation you need to have about what you heard with the language while they were playing a game last night, it might be in the car, side by side. Mm. So again, they're just some little tips that can make it so much easier for them. And they really do, they do want to have conversations with us. And it came up in the survey uh, within the book that over 1,600 men and the ones that had said, I'd really wanted to have deep conversations with my parents, but they never really were open to it or they never really listened. And so boys often give you a taste so they might throw something out um, and then they'll see how you respond. Because if you come in with your version or what you think, then they won't, they won't continue the conversation that they wanted to. But if you just listen, 
and create a really strong sense of um, presence, they will go to another level. Really? And they are yes. really much yeah. deeper than we it's give them. Fascinating, really, isn't it? That boys yeah. can be quite different to girls in that respect. And, and what a useful tip to do that whilst not looking at them, just sort of yep. as sort of a, a, a more of a matter of fact thing. And um, it's good because uh, a lot of the single mums listening to this are co-parenting so we have a very high skill level when it comes to body language tone of voice and things like that because we've had to learn to navigate tricky relationship and make it work for our kids so I'm sure that this information you're providing um, will be very welcome to them but I just want to move on because there's something that you mention in your book because you help parents unstick an unmotivated son and I love the way you've put that and um, obviously you're unable to share all your advice on the topic that's in the book here um, but can you just tell us some key factors around getting teen boys unstuck and remotivated? Yeah because this was such a common thing um, that parents would say look I've got this boy now he's left school and he's just horizontal on my couch what happened <laughs> so one of the things that we do know is there's kind of three main keys to motivation and when you keep this in you know especially as an emerging adolescent um and the first one's control and autonomy we know this is exactly what teens are wanting they're wanting more autonomy and freedom to make choices and if you are making too many and not allowing that to grow let me give you an example of um, a simple example so if it's your son's turn to do the dishwasher and he's come in after school or it's just you've got home from work or whatever, um, so you might just kind of rub his arm and say, so, um, hey, mate, it's your turn to do the dishwasher. Do you want to do it now or do you want to do it just before dinner? So what I've given him is an, um, a choice of when. So that's a, it's such a subtle thing, but it's about us giving, taking, mm. taking away, you know, over control. I want it under my schedule and my time frame. Because when they've got some sort of choice around it, um, it really does help them get motivated. The second one is competence. And remember, I touched on teaching them life skills. And um, one of the things that we do know is it's often the mums, particularly mums, um, who've been doing too much for their sons because they kept forgetting. Mm. No, we have to call them to account. Um, if they've forgotten their lunch, they need to go hungry. Um, and if they can't get their homework done without you reminding them, then you're setting them up to be codependent on you as they leave home. So again, the homework issue is between the school and your son. And it's not my job. I'll read anything to check for spelling. I'm, I'm happy to give you a snack. Um, however, that is the school and you. And so can you see, we're giving them the opportunity to step forward to be more competent at things. And that's, you know, life skills are the same. And then the third one is, we do know that the more connected, the safer they feel in their core relationships, no matter how bumpy they are, and we'll all have shouty days and slam door days and all those, is do they still feel safe and secure um, with your relationship? And I've got great news for all the solo mummies out there or any of the mummies out there, actually, because in the survey from men, I asked who was the most significant person who helped them on over the bridge to manhood? Um, and it was, you know, we all know that boys try to push mum back out the road a bit and we know it's important for them to be around good men and all that. But in actual fact, nearly 60% of them said they're mum. Oh, so while brilliant. they're learning to be a man, guess what? They need mum to kind of fall back on when they, you know, when they get into trouble because mum kind of it's that 
we are remember we we brought them into the world most of us and, and we were there when they were little that's kind of what they you know there's a little boy inside the big tall one and every now and then they just want to lean back into us and also we have the capacity to explore their poor choices yep um in a way that makes sense to them because we're a little bit better at that forms of communication mm. and we will once again we're the ones who want to welcome their friends into our house so they know that their home is a safe base um the dent boys had a dent den downstairs and um I made it as welcome as possible for their friends and their mates. And in doing that, I kept our relationship in a really good space as well. I might have not had much bread some days and absolutely <laughs> no milk. <laughs> and there was one, there was about three times I made a giant chocolate cake in a baking dish because I had about five or six boys downstairs. And do you know what? I run into those men later in life and that's the first thing they tell me was being able to eat hot chocolate cake out oh. of a baking dish. And I think it's the gestures of kindness that really get flagged because they get criticised so much, they get busted so much, people talk about them mm. negatively. So what they want is where's my safe base? Where are the people who really have got me? And sometimes, you know, tiptoeing into your grumpy teen's bedroom at night and wishing him good night, rubbing his hair, yeah, whatever. I mean, it's you love them gestures. as well because sometimes they... They perhaps feel that they're missing out on, on your yeah. love as well because you're so angry yeah. with them for one reason yeah. or another. Exactly. So connection's big. Yeah, and I think I think that's a really good um, I love your what you've said there. Everything, your whole answer is just amazing. But thank you so much for sharing that about mum, going back to it being mum yeah. who did it for them. Because I think for parents of teenagers and even for me with girls, it's quite disheartening and upsetting really watching your, your um, children turn into teenagers and they don't really seem to want you around. You just really, whereas all the funny things you used to do with them, they don't find funny anymore. They roll their eyes and it's quite hurtful as a mother. Um, but you just have to persevere and keep going. But to know that later on in life, they do look back and they do recognise that it's mum yeah. who's got them to that point yeah. and helped them through is a really good thing, I think, for the mums listening to hear. So thank you for throwing that in there. Um, but, but going on to single mums now, we are obviously sharing this chat with my audience of single mums and many of them solo parent or they perhaps parent with an unreliable or inconsistent dad. How important is it for boys to have healthy role models in their lives? And what are your suggestions if dad is not present or not setting a good example? Okay, so this really came up a lot um, again from the um, survey for this book and my last book. And that I, I just presumed, you know, having worked with a lot of boys in my counselling rooms too, who used to come to me and they were being angry at their mum and what they needed her to do was step back not too far, but step back a little. So definitely the stepping back is really important, but it's who steps into that spot. And I just thought that they would be, and once again, they are looking around them, even without necessarily being conscious, looking at where are their, uh, where are their men who I'd like to be a bit like, which mm. is why they're so influenced by what's online and why we need to have some conversation of if they're following our badly behaved sportsmen instead of our good ones. Um, and it's one of those things, again, that they're looking at uh, the men in their community. They're looking at the men in their neighbourhood. They're looking at the teachers in their school. They're looking at their coaches or their dance teachers or their music teachers. And um, you might not think 
that they're uh, being influenced because, you know, they haven't got a significant relationship. They are constantly reviewing it all the time. And I was one of those things that um, having a lighthouse figure, a significant um, male who shows an interest is huge. And the hunger for that, firstly, there is a hunger for, for our biological father. We know that's a, a strong drive. Um, and girls struggle with that one as well. But what we do know is, can we find somewhere, whatever special interest our boys have, whether it's tinkering with cars or it's surfing or it's uh, fishing or it's whatevering, um, is there a man in your neighbourhood, in your world, who is um, prepared to make sure they pick him up and take him on those events? So um, finding those is really, really helpful. So you look for the common interest. And I have to show there's, there's lots of great organisations now out there that are doing these sorts of things. So trusting that your boy is looking and he is assessing, but make sure you have those conversations and deconstruct the role models who are from celebrity or sporting worlds who are behaving badly. That's probably just as important as finding the good men is making sure they're aware that there are men making poor choices that you hope that he will think twice about. I love that phrase lighthouse that you've used. Yeah. That's, that's great. I've never heard it before. And I, I agree that, yeah, you have to just look out for the, the right people for them. And I think as a single parent, I mean, I have to, I'm, my, my, um, my girls have their dad um, very much in their life, but I've also got some really wonderful single dad friends um, and they get on really well with my girls. So they do have a lot of that male happening in there. Mm. And I've kind of guided that and allowed it to happen because it is important for them. But yeah, as mums, we have to be looking out for that lighthouse and maybe help them to form those relationships. Um, but look, my last question for you, Maggie, is, is about technology, because I don't think we can have a chat about teenage boys without mentioning it, really, can we? Um, <laughs> can you share with us your thoughts on how this crazy digital world is affecting our teen boys and any key points to deal with it? Okay, so the, there's good news and bad news in this area. So one of the things that we are deeply disturbed about, which I share deeply in the book, is the desensitisation of our beautiful boys um, before they become men around violence and pornography. Because uh, it's not so much our boys looking for it, that they, they find it everywhere and it finds them. Because yeah. we've got sickos out there who make sure they can have their childhood innocence stolen. So it's a really, really big big influence and if you can do everything you can to be monitoring the usage of your son uh, as he heads over this bridge hugely important because it shapes how he is becoming and how he's seeing himself we go around to the second one that's about the the usage um, for entertainment purposes so once again my challenge to you is um, and I did a, an episode just uh, recently on parental as anything is make sure they um, they get their homework done, their chores done before they go to play. Um, and they have, you know, you've got rules and things. I think it's always important to have agreements with our boys rather than just rules um, because it kind of is a moving process. So what your boy is able to agree to at 12 and what he needs to agree to at 14 and whatever's going on at 16 has to have flexibility and a capacity to be renegotiated. Um, next one, two things you have to be really mindful of at night. We do know the prefrontal lobe, which isn't all that developed already, comes offline at night time. 
So again, do everything you can to make sure that your sons aren't using it any too much later than nine o'clock at night, because seriously, that's where their worst choices will happen. Two, that in the adolescent window, in that brain pruning, uh, GABA gets turned off. Now, GABA is an amino acid in the brain that actually is like an inhibitor to impulses. <laughs> mm. Well, it's turned off. Yeah. And when you have no inhibitor and surges of testosterone and you're online without a prefrontal cortex, I just need to tell you that's a recipe for seriously poor choices. So again, it's better if, you know, you can, If I know it sounds crazy, but um, if you can get them off, before it's time for bed because we know it takes an hour for the blue white lights to settle their melatonin levels so all of those things we've really got to look at what is that displacing in their world are those boys still got their mates do they go and play sport are they doing music are they getting fresh air are they turning up for meals so again it's around the kind of common sense around how do we use technology in a way that's not going to be uh, creating big problems for my son later on and one of the other really big ones is in the window when you're getting brain pruned the brain also makes lots of dendrites which are little connector bits so that you can learn really fast which is an exciting thing to do so if you're playing sport you can really get better quick you can pick up a musical instrument you can learn another language however you can get addicted twice as fast so i'm going to say the window from 12 to 15 is the window you have to be the firmest you can be around monitoring excessive usage because if it becomes an addiction, it can become problematic just because they love doing it because it makes them feel good. That's one thing. But if they have to do it in order to mm. feel good, then we've got red flags. And that's, you know, sadly happening uh, a lot more often. And I guess that, that that's interesting, that 12 to 15 window, because it's also relevant for drugs, alcohol, any, any yep. kind of addiction, isn't Everything. it? Absolutely. And that's one of the things why I, you know, I wrote the book is because this is a vulnerable window for every boy. You know, often people think, oh, it's just the boys who've got, you know, issues at home or something. Um, we can lose, we lose our best boys in this window for all sorts of reasons. Um, partly that, but also partly they're so desperate to belong in a group because it's the biological wiring. Again, I want to push back from my parents. I need to belong with people, my own age group. And if they can't get into a group where they would like to be with, you know, what I call decent boys with values, they will do anything to join a group. And every now and then they'll do really appalling things to fit because they haven't got the intelligence, the emotional competence to be able to go, hang on a minute, that's not okay in my world. That's not a value that my family share. I'm going to step back here. So again, it's, it's why it's such a tricky window that the more we collectively gather around our boys and watch out for each other's boys, the better chance they've got to go over that bridge and, and end up being that happy, healthy man uh, who will still forget your birthday. Yes. Um, but and leave an empty milk bottle in the fridge. Yeah, now, <laughs> and eat all the bread. And drop into your house when he doesn't live there and eat everything. Um, <laughs> you think you've been robbed? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I just wanted to quickly say because we were talking about technology, I have got some friends with boys, and I just find it quite amazing when I go round to their houses and see them screaming at the TV yeah. when they're on these games and I might not even realize they're at home and all of a sudden you hear this barrage yeah. of, of shouting and I'm like oh my god what on earth is that and they go yeah, oh but, you know it's just Mitchell he's just playing 
yes, so let's play. And, and when they play with their friends, you know, they are doing the connectedness I talked about. Yes. They do feel they belong. But what happens with the surges of testosterone and the hunger to win, and it's all set up to push them to want to have another go, then their language can deteriorate rapidly yeah. into, and that's one of the places. So, yes, of course you can play, but when your language is tipping into that place and I need to step in and that's basically when the Wi-Fi is gone or that's been unplugged yes. because they can't always stop it and sometimes that continues at school the next day. So they, they do, swagger yeah, they in. They can't control it. No. no. Says, I have to no. go in and I have to stop it. And he sometimes will yeah. thank her eventually. Yes. And say, Thanks, yes. I'm so glad. Because they've gone past the point of enjoying themselves, I exactly. think. <laughs> Absolutely. And there is a fragile, sensitive side to our boys that is hiding under a mask that feels like we can't get it off. But, and yeah. that's why I keep saying that the, the gestures of kindness, the compassion, um, you know, they will remember those. And that's when, you know, they tend to come back a bit quicker to the mums and the dads who keep that going than yeah. they do to the ones who've become so tough because they can't believe the choices they make. Exactly. Yeah. The ki kindness. Kindness always wins in the end. Look, Maggie, that's all we've got time for. We could go on and on, I'm sure, because um, you've got so much fantastic information for us. But before you go, can I get you just to tell our listeners where we can find more information about you and where we can buy your new book from Boys to Men? Oh, look, absolutely. Apparently when you, uh, my boys say you search Maggie Dent now, you'll get <laughs> pointed in all directions. MaggieDent.com <laughs> is my website. And on that, if you can't find my YouTube channel where I have nearly a hundred three minute videos, um, that's where you'll find it. Um, and also my Maggie Dent author, and I'm also on Insta. So again, in the usual places I'm found and just remember that I am really committed to making sure that a lot of the information to help parents is completely free and you can find endless blogs and articles on my website. But the book, of course, is available from all good bookshores and it's also available with a signed copy from my website at maggiedent.com. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. And congratulations on the book. It's no mean feat getting out a book um, on any topic, but about teenage boys, um, mm. particularly challenging, I'm sure. Look, and I just want to mention to you as well, Maggie, that your name does come up regularly on my Facebook group, The Single Mum Fine. <laughs> when anyone has a son issue, I can almost guarantee that your name is going to be mentioned. And I did post on Monday saying how excited I was that I was going to be chatting to you on my podcast this week and um all of the people it were well, many many people in the group commented they were very excited for me and they posted lots of complimentary comments about you and the the support that you offer to them uh, so i just wanted well, you think, to know that Lucy, can i and i can i just say that one of the things i do promote a lot is that the, that parenting is uh, the aim as a parent is to be good enough and imperfect and that there is no perfect so it, when i i really validate that there are days you will want to lock yourself in the toilet like I did and wonder why I ever started breeding. Mm. Um, and I think that's the thing that make me, makes me a little bit safer for some parents. So to all of them out there who share that, you do know how much I am committed to helping you all on this journey so that you can become that parent you really want to be <laughs> at least yeah. some days of the week. And it's not a per who wants to be perfect. It would be boring anyway. So what you're, you're coming from a non-judgmental space and that's yeah. what people need, I think, because it is so hard to, to balance all the plates nowadays. 
Um, but look, chatting to you today has been fantastic and providing this information directly to my audience is wonderful. Thank you, Maggie, for taking the time out. You, I know your schedule must be so busy. <laughs> it's just, and, I, and it's really, it's an honour for me because I've wanted to talk to you for a while. So this, this is great. Thank you. Huge hugs to everyone. Bye. Thank you, Maggie. And to all the single mums with sons who are listening, I strongly advise you get a copy of Maggie's book and learn from an expert with real life experience for sons um, on how to guide your beautiful boys through these really important years of their lives. And remember, if you've not visited my website, beanstalkmums.com.au, make sure you do. Not only will you find more podcasts like this, but there's heaps of other wonderful resources for your single mother journey. And you can chat to me anytime on our anonymous single mum forum or the single mum vine Facebook group, which are also reached through the website. And one final point before we leave you, if this podcast has helped you, and I really hope it has, please take just 30 seconds to rate and review it. The more reviews we can get, the easier these podcasts are to find by other single mums who need support, guidance and companionship on their single mother journeys. Until next time, ladies, goodbye. <laughs>